When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Jamie Urich. Hi, Meredith. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so delighted to have you on the show. I feel like we've been trying to get you on for a very long time, basically since you first joined the site. Um, But for those of you who don't know, uh, Jamie is a writer on the LGHL staff, um, and she's also the co-host of the Stick to Sports podcast alongside Matt Timonetti. Um, But instead of letting me tell you about Jamie, um, Jamie, I'll let you talk about yourself a little bit. Sure. So I am based out of Los Angeles. Um, Matt always jokes that I am the Los Angeles bureau chief for LGHL. Um, I've been with LGHL for, we're coming up on a year this spring. Um, And I graduated from OSU in 2012. I've lived in LA. I spent some time living in New York. Um, I'm from Chicago originally. So I kind of bounced around a little bit. And um, my background is in journalism, but now I work as a full-time marketing copywriter. And then I dabble in podcasts and sports writing on the side. Amazing. Well, we are so excited to have you on the show today to talk through some hot topics. Um, we've got Super Bowl picks. We've got Jim Harbaugh being Harbaugh. Uh, we've got some Snowmageddon. Uh, we've even got Winter Olympics, which Jamie, I believe might be a passion point for you. Um, but before we get to any of that, we have a couple of walk-in items this week. Uh, just today, ESPN announced that they were going to have an all-female crew for the upcoming Warrior Jazz telecast this week. That's 33 positions um, on this crew, all filled by women. Uh, just incredible. Beth Moens, Doris Burke, and Lisa Salters on the call, uh, color commentary and sideline. Um Three of my favorite sports personalities. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. Tell me more about these things because I'm not super familiar about this. Yeah. So this is actually the first time that an all-female crew has done an NBA game. Um, I think it was maybe two years ago that ESPN had the first uh, call from two women. Um, And I believe that was also Doris and Beth at the time. Uh, But what's really neat about this is this idea apparently arose very organically. uh, And the reason that it's taken a minute just to come to fruition is alignment of all of the schedules of the women who wanted to be part of this telecast. Um, So really, really excited to uh, see this game play out. 
Um, sticking with women's basketball, but moving to college, Iowa's Caitlin Clark, who we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago, um, who is leading the NCAA in scoring currently. She's basically going to break every women's basketball record um, and a lot of all Division I basketball records by herself. Um, she had a midcourt jumper against Michigan, like from the block M. Um, which is simply impressive, but no surprise given how uh, skilled she has been from beyond the arc this season. I feel like the thing that I associate midcourt jumpers with is when I would go to Bulls games as a kid, they would like give out scholarship money to anyone who could make them. And I've never seen anyone make one. So just like the sheer athletic display that that is is so impressive to me yeah and like during a game too which is super impressive like with defenders coming at her but as an aside jamie when i was an undergrad we did the same uh like thing at the air force academy and maybe it's because the air is thinner but like this extremely unathletic person i was friends with actually made a midcourt shot but he just won chick-fil-a for a year okay i mean not a bad prize but um that's amazing. I would have I mean, lost it was, if I saw that. It was so impressive because, like, I mean, I knew him pretty well. Like, definitely not someone who played sports with any appreciable, I don't know, passion. Um, and he was going up against, like, actually, like, pretty athletic kids. And he just sunk a midcourt shot and got Chick-fil-A for a year. Again, not a bad prize compared to, like, a college scholarship. I don't know. Maybe you would take Chick-fil-A. Whatever. <laughs> I would take the tuition, but if someone were offering me like free food for a year, I wouldn't say no either. Yeah, I I would have competed if I had had the opportunity, but I showed up to the game too late. Um, anyway, last walk-in item. This is a bit of a downer. I feel like we shouldn't have ended here. Um, Sirius XM fired a uh, PGA analyst and host Mark Lai for comments that he made about the WNBA. I actually had to read this story a couple times because it was very confusing. So this guy's a golf analyst, right, on Sirius. And he apparently made a comment about how he's come around on the LPGA and then was like, but I would never watch the WNBA. Like, I'd rather shoot myself, basically. Um, and so he was fired for those comments, obviously, um, but then came back and tried to be like, oh, no, I'm not sexist. I think the LPGA is great. But anyway, maybe he needs to watch Caitlin Clark's midcourt jumper and have a new appreciation for women's basketball. Yeah. And I also, like, didn't he say at some point that he never used to like watching ladies golf? So don't you don't get to walk it back at this point, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Um, and also, like, if you say that you have an appreciation for women's golf because you played on the PGA Tour once upon a time and you understand how hard it is, like, maybe just apply that logic to other sports also. Yeah, I just – I don't really understand how in 2022 we're still having these conversations about the merits of women's athletics. Um, and, it like, you know, it, I think there's been a lot of coverage about – the women's soccer team compared to the men's soccer team for uh, the national teams. Um, but we don't see quite as much coverage about the disparities in the different sports because the other teams aren't necessarily as vocal as the national women's soccer team has been. Um, and there's like kind of 
famously been a lawsuit that they filed for equal pay with the men and things like that. But those disparities still exist. And it part of it is these mindsets of like the WNBA is less valuable than the NBA. And, and it's just it's frustrating to be at this point and still feel like we have to defend the merits of the athleticism of women. For sure. And, you know, kudos to, I guess, Sirius XM for firing him immediately. Um, but at the same time, his words are out there and they're still making an impact on some people. So hopefully, like you said, it's 2022. Maybe by this time in 2023, we won't have to be hearing stories like these anymore. Um, but speaking of some strong, amazing, powerful women, we do have the Winter Olympics. Um, we are just a few days in. Sweden is currently leading the international field. They've got three gold medals so far. Uh, the Russian Olympic Committee, the ROC, has seven overall medals. Um, Canada had six at last count. Uh, the U.S., unfortunately, is far down the list. They've hauled in just three silver medals thus far during the competition. But, Jamie, what have you seen scene that's been impressive so far? So I've been watching a lot of snowboarding. Um, I watched the men's big air qualifiers yesterday for skiing. The um, women qualifiers are today. A lot of figure skating, which has been amazing. Um, and I, my absolute favorite Olympic sport is curling. It is the sport that I feel like, I don't, I don't want to say that I could be an Olympic curler, but if there were any sport that I could feasibly work my way up to being able to compete in. Curling is probably the only one I'd have a shot at. Um, And I just, I love to watch it because it's such a strategy game. And I just think it's so fun um, to kind of watch the wheels turn in the strategy of how they throw the stones. Uh, But yeah, I just, I love the Winter Olympics. And I also feel that I spend most of them kind of holding my breath hoping that nobody dies because the sports are so extreme. Oh my God. I watched ski jumping last night and it was terrifying. Like every time someone goes down, I I brace myself for them to not be okay. I didn't watch about half of the jumps because I just couldn't handle it. Um, But you're exactly right. I mean, we were talked about this a little bit last week, but one of the Olympic winter Olympic sports is literally called skeleton. Like Mm -hmm. how spooky is that? But I also skeleton and luge are two that I really love to watch. Um, and on stick to sports last week, actually Matt and I had to fact check cause I wasn't, I could never, I can never remember the difference between the two. So the idea of like taking a running jump at a sled and diving head first down this like ice slide seems so fun to me. And then when you really think about the dangers that that entails, it's like, Oh, maybe that's not my best idea, but I still <laughs> want to do it. I, the adrenaline junkie in me feels so compelled to try skeleton at some point. Oh my gosh. I mean, well, the good news for we'll call ourselves lay people. Um, I don't think we're gonna be getting up to the speeds that we see in Olympic skeleton. It's like 60 miles an hour or something bananas. Um, so maybe for you and I, it's a little bit safer if we were to, you know, give it a shot at a winter sports park somewhere. It's possible, but I have seen people get seriously injured. Um, just like sledding at Ohio State. So while I think that skeleton would um, be an extra fun time for me, I also like watch someone go straight into a tree on a lunch tray. So I part of me is like, mm, maybe, maybe we should have learned our lesson back in our undergrad days. 
Yeah. Well, when you put it that way, um, <laughs> perhaps we will leave it to the professionals. Uh, speaking of which, Germany's Johann Ludwig uh, became the oldest luge champ in the world ever. Um, so when I clicked on this article, I was thinking he would be like 50 or something. Um, he's 36. It's okay. his first Olympic medal. Um, so the punchline was going to be that it's never too late to live your dreams, which is true. But also, like, I feel like I'm rapidly approaching the end of my never existing Olympic career already, Jamie. Oh, yeah. I feel uh, – unless you curl. I bet you could curl past the age of 36. If you probably get better with age with I, curling. I, I feel like it requires less um, – it takes less of a toll on your body physically over time. I don't curl, so I'm just making assumptions about how physically challenging it is. But really, it's more just the strategy behind it. So I, I think you could curl. We could probably – we'll be in our 50s and we'll try curling. Thank you. There is a bar here in Chicago that has curling in wintertime. So maybe I'll just like see – just like do a benchmark for myself and see where I land. Yeah. Um, if you've ever played shuffleboard, they're similar in concept. It's uh, – I mean, I remember playing shuffleboard in like gym class as a youth. Uh, I was okay. Wait, you yeah. played shuffleboard in gym class? We did not. We were like into walls playing like field hockey. <laughs> well – We'll need to put a pin in this because I just had a discussion with a person who was like an elementary school PE teacher, and apparently all of the games that we loved in elementary school are still like common in PE. Oh, that makes me happy. Like parachute, the little scooters, everything. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, speaking of other Olympians, New Zealand got their first ever Winter Olympic gold medal. I know you mentioned that you uh, were watching snowboarding yesterday. This was Zoe Sadowski Sanat who won the women's slope style. Okay, so listen, Zoe is an unbelievable slope or uh, slope style snowboarder, and like the runs that she was throwing down were just incredible. Like I, I at one point was like, I don't know if I can count your rotations because you're spinning so fast. Um, it was just, it was really, really unbelievable to watch. Um, she was, I believe the favorite coming in. Um, but again, like coming in with that much pressure doesn't indicate that you're, that you still have to do it. You still have to, to lay down the runs. And, um, she fully lived up to that hype. It was, it was really incredible to watch. It's Absolutely incredible. Um, and again, for New Zealand as a nation, uh, the delegation actually celebrated with the traditional Kiwi dance um, when she got her medal, uh, which was very heartwarming as yeah. well. Um, in terms of other upcoming events, Team USA, the women beat Switzerland, I think was the score like eight to nothing or six to nothing. Um, but they, of course, are heading straight for a rivalry showdown with Canada, um, which I feel like is the theme of every Winter Olympics in terms yeah. of women's hockey. Well, and it's exciting because the women's hockey um, team at Ohio State has six Buckeyes competing in these Olympic Games. Um, so this is a really big Olympic. It's the Olympic debut for Jincy Dunn on Team USA. And she's been putting out a pretty stellar performance so far this Olympics. Um, and then there are actually a few Canadian 
uh, team members as well that are Buckeyes. And I feel like I should have those names. Oh yeah. Um, Emma Maltese is on team Canada and Natalie Spooner, who is a, it's her third Olympics for team Canada. So it'll oh be fun God. to watch these like current and former Buckeyes show off if we reach that point. That's amazing. Um, I know you've written a couple articles about Buckeyes in the Olympics. Any others competing in the Winter Olympics that you want to highlight? Yeah, so there's actually – there's six uh, with either current, former, or t- soon-to-be Buckeyes that are competing for women's hockey. And then um, Buckeye alum Matt Tompkins is competing on the Canadian men's ice hockey team. So all the Buckeyes in the Olympics this year are uh, hockey players. That's wild. Yeah. The one that I have been really excited to watch is Sophie London. She's on the Swedish team um, and she's an incoming freshman this year. So it's it's kind of cool to to get a little sneak preview of what's to come. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so bananas. Yeah. It's hockey, I feel like is so interesting too, because you mentioned a player who's competing in her third Olympics and then you have someone competing who's, you know, a rising college freshman. Um, what a range of experience and talent too. Absolutely. We actually also, um, Mintu Tuaminen is on the Finnish, uh, Olympic team and she's a, also a former Buckeye. Um, and it is her fourth Olympics. She has previously Love. won two bronze medals. Yeah. Which is just insane. That's a very, very long career. Yeah. That's wild. Um, Speaking of long careers, we're going to take just a step away to a summer Olympic sport uh, because the Billabong Pro Pipeline Championship was in Hawaii this weekend. And Kelly Slater, who you might know because he's literally been winning surfing championships for 30 years, um, just won again and he's turning 50 in like two weeks. Yeah. he. So he's been kind of in the picture for a really long time. And if I remember correctly, there was like a surf uh, like a reality show that took place like at his house or like his compound. I'm trying to remember what the name of the show it was like the ultimate surfer or something like that. And it was like a surf reality show. That's wild. All I can think of is Johnny Tsunami. And I feel like he was in like the behind the scenes with Johnny Tsunami. That makes that so makes- much sense to me. Also, what a great reference. <laughs> I mean, we are... We're coming up on the season. My husband and I watch Luck of the Irish on Disney Plus every year. So, yes. you know, we'll we'll do our – it will spark the rotation of the, like, early 2000s Disney Channel original movies. That's so important. Uh, we grew up in really, like, the golden age of television. It, it was great. You know, we had, like, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century on one end and then, like, High School Musical on the other end. It just really – it was a great decade or so. Yep. Fully agreed. Thank you. Well, the good news <laughs> the good news for Jamie, at least, in terms of the Winter Olympics, is that you get to watch in balmy Los Angeles while the rest of us are, you know, very much experiencing snowmageddon. Um, because we got like a foot of snow dumped on us. Um, so of course it makes me wonder, uh, you grew up in Chicago too, so you are no stranger to snow. Um, what isn't an Olympic sport in the wintertime, but feels like it should be? So I have to shout out, I was trying to, ex- and you live in Chicago, right? Yeah. So I was trying to explain the concept of dibs to someone the other day. And I feel that dibs in Chicago should be an Olympic sport 
So like your most creative dibs situation. For those of you who are not from Chicago, the rule of dibs is that if you shovel out your parking spot on the street, you can place any sort of creative object there that you want. Cones, lawn chairs, tables. People have set out like full tea situations um, where they'll like set the table with all their little teapots and cups and snacks and things like that. Um, And people need to respect that your lawn chair is in the parking spot. If they don't respect it and they try to park there, other people are are not responsible for the consequences of that. Um, I have seen people get their cars keyed. I have seen people bury the car that has taken their parking spot with snow. Um, It's a very aggressive and time-honored tradition in Chicago that you respect the person who shoveled out their spot. So I think like the most creative item that you hold your dib spot with would be a good one. Um, And I also think it would be like most creative sled. Okay. Because I've seen people sled on all, I've seen people sled in like buckets that you would use to mop floors. I've seen them sled on lunch trays. I have seen people sled on um cardboard boxes. And I feel like we could get really creative with our sledding. Uh yeah. like with the sled. Would, so question about these. Would yeah. these be judge like figure skating rules like by a panel of judges who assign like more qualitative scores? I think I think dibs would require qualitative scores. I think that sled the sleds could be a combination of like your time, like you race down the hill, your time and the creativity that you use in the sled. So there would be like a qual- like a quantitative how fast you went and then also like a like an element of subjectivity for how creative you got with your sled. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. I will say my friend posted on Instagram yesterday someone who called dibs with a birdcage and a mannequin. Um, so that's Ooh. so far my gold medalist for the 2022 season. Yeah, I would say of the ones that I've seen myself, the people who set out like a full high tea definitely win. But a mannequin and a birdcage are excellent choices. Yeah, I mean, it clearly wasn't planned, but also like it clearly had to be something because you had who just has those items like ready for dibs. People have. I, I part of me wonders if it's just like so. If it's been so boring for the last two years with the pandemic, that people were like, "All right, I got to do something to spice it up." And I am going to use dibs to make myself laugh. Well, it certainly made me laugh. In terms of like my opinion of an Olympic sport that is not, excuse me, a sport that should be an Olympic sport, um, I'm going to go with, this is going to sound gross, but just let me explain, Um, speed peeing for dogs. Uh, So my dog is clearly a gold medalist. If it's very, very cold out, she can go out and do her business and be back inside in like 10 seconds. It's very, very impressive. So thanks, Ruthie, for not forcing me to be out in the Chicago cold for too, too long. Yeah, she sounds very considerate, to be honest. She's very sweet. She did just start wearing boots this week, <gasps> like for the salt oh, yeah. and the ice so on But like, <laughs> they're like, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe them, but like knee-high boots. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. I'll post a picture 
in the show notes because it's pretty cute. Uh, and she does okay in them, which is impressive. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, this has been an exciting discussion. Thank you for indulging me, Jamie. Um, we are going to bring things back stateside with some hot topics from the Super Bowl and the NFL slash college football coaching carousel coming up. But first, we're going to take a quick break. So stay with us. Welcome back. We've had an exciting start to February with the Olympics and a later than usual Super Bowl. Uh, Rumor has it, Jamie, that this is the first time the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day are set to be celebrated on the same weekend, and that's because of the additional NFL regular season game that got added this year. So what are your thoughts on this timing? So I think it's going to either make people really happy or it's going to make some dates feel like they are kind of the second banana to the Super Bowl. And I would encourage partners to not make their significant other feel like second banana to the Super Bowl. Um, I've never heard that phrase before. Thank you for bringing this into my life. I believe it's like a theatric, it's a theater term for sure. Second banana. Yeah, but it's like a fun, it's fun. I love it. Oh, it's great. I think we should be using it in, in all contexts i'll whip it out during work tomorrow and see if anyone how it goes Um, i'll report back i can't wait i will say so my friend texted me a couple weeks ago and was like we're she's hosting the super bowl party for her friend group and she was like is it weird to make it valentine's themed and i was like actually like you could get a really good spread that way like, think of all, like, the baked goods and, like, the chocolates that you could have. Oh, yeah. I think that that – I mean, I think you could certainly combine the party and, the like, the theme. You could combine your Valentine's Day – I wouldn't combine your date with the Super Bowl, but I would combine, like, a party, a Super Bowl-themed Valentine's Day party. Yes. I think that is – you just hit the nail on the head. Like, one-on-one date, absolutely not. Social gathering – perfectly acceptable. Um, but but speaking of food, um, and Brett and I just did this for our Your Nuts that's coming out on Tuesday. Um, what is your like Super Bowl spread look like? Oh, man. Okay. There has to be buffalo chicken dip. That's like an – it's a mandatory. Um, big fan of like some pigs in a blanket. I definitely want some chicken wings. Um. I like I love vegetables, so I want a veggie tray and then like all of the cheese and crackers. Just like all of the cheese. Okay, okay. What about yours? Um, so definitely the cheese. Uh I like I got a so I've always been into making cheese boards. Um Ooh. and then I got a book about cheese boards for myself last summer and have been like working my way steadily through it. So I feel like making a fancy cheese board is definitely like in the cards. Um, but also uh, I've been pescatarian for like seven years and in practice, like <laughs> that makes game days in particular kind of challenging. Um, but my friend sent me a recipe for like bell pepper nachos um, that have like bell peppers as the, as the base instead of chips and like lots of veggies and also much more structural integrity than your like normal nacho 
Um, and then my husband and I just made like mushroom burgers last week that were very good. So I might add those to the menu as well. Yeah. Also, like, if you're pescatarian, do you like a shrimp cocktail? I'll do a shrimp cocktail for sure. I feel like that's a good Super Bowl snack as well. It is. Or, like, shrimp tacos can also work. Oh, yeah. That's a great that's a great option. My friend made us shrimp tacos for the national championship game last year. And so even though the game did not go as we wanted, the tacos were very good. Good. That's important. So that helped. Okay. So – The other obvious thing about the Super Bowl is that we have a lot of things to look forward to. I feel like, Jamie, you and I, sounds like we're the same age. We're probably in the same boat with, like, the relevance of this halftime show. Um, So I have to ask, like, in terms of the game itself, the commercials, the halftime show, and, like, the food slash, like, other off-television activities, like, what is your rank order of preference or your priority? Um, so generally the most important thing to me is the game. I love football. I think it's fun to watch in a high stakes game. Um, this year I don't particularly care, um, in that I don't really love either of the two teams. So I think the halftime show probably takes the cake for me and then it'll probably be, then it's going to be commercials game this year. What about you? I'm fully, fully aligned. Normally, the halftime show ranks toward the bottom. That's like when I go like away from the television for a minute. Mm-hmm. But I can't not watch Eminem. This is my dream. I'm so excited. Yeah. Also, um, Snoop Dogg is going to be a really exciting one for me. And in like a very – Oh my gosh. So I have a like a Snoop Dogg story in that I worked as a journalist in Kosovo for a period of time and Snoop Dogg performed in Kosovo while I was there. Um, what? Oh yeah. Oh, it gets weirder. At one point I wound up having dinner with him at like the UN consulate. I don't know. It was very strange, but the whole city like gave out free gin and juice all night at all the bars, all the restaurants, everybody, everything in Snoop Dogg's honor. And it was just like the whole city was at this concert. Everyone was drinking free gin and juice. And I'm very excited to like relive that. I mean, I won't be reliving it in reality, but to just like revisit those memories while Snoop Dogg is performing. That's not real. It, That's it, not real. It was like the most insane thing about me was that I saw Snoop Dogg perform in Kosovo. I use it for like two truths and a lie because it sounds so ridiculous that people like don't believe that that's a thing. I'm so pleased that we managed to fit that story into this podcast. Thank you, you for taking us on this journey. <laughs> um. Well, of course, the season is already over for 30 of 32 NFL teams, um, many of whom are looking for their next head coach. Unfortunately for the Minnesota Vikings, but fortunately for Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh does not seem to be making the leap to the pros this season. What's made news in the last couple of days, however, is that while Harbaugh is staying at Michigan, he won't have anyone really on his staff anymore. Uh, Josh Gaddis, offensive coordinator, left to take the same role with the Dolphins. And Mike McDonald, uh, the defensive coordinator, is leaving for the same role with the Ravens. Jamie, what are your thoughts on Harbaugh? 
Listen, I I wrote a column about this for Land Grant. I think that it's it's very weird for me to like say that this season was a fluke, whatever. Michigan had a like an objectively good team this year and he did an objectively good job, but I think it was a fluke. I don't think he's actually that great of a college football coach. And very rarely in his career has he delivered in high stakes situations. So I just, I think that this was one of those years where he got lucky and all of the pieces kind of fell into place for him, but losing his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator, like this is great for the Buckeyes. We are back in business. See you next year. I feel I'm. I feel like the Buckeyes are sitting pretty, and this gives me a little bit of. I don't know. I have a little more confidence in our ability to to take them down come next November. Yeah, fully, fully agree. Um, it felt like you said all the pieces fell into place for Harbaugh this year. Um, but like immediately after the Wolverines performance in the playoffs, it felt like things started to fall apart immediately. Yeah. And it's to the point where Harbaugh waited until after national signing day was wrapped to announce that he was coming back to Michigan. Like what kind of a move is that? Like Michigan still finished with a top 10 recruiting class, but it doesn't inspire much confidence when, you know, you're looking to see if your head coach is staying. So as assistants, you're wondering what the future holds for you and are obviously looking for new positions. Um, And both Gaddis and McDonald are great coaches and will certainly make that leap to the NFL very successfully. But Michigan's also losing your best player on offense, your best player on defense. You're ahead. They're heading into the off season, like limping. This is not a good situation. Oh, this is not great at all. And I'm curious like what this is going to do for recruiting moving forward. I guess some of that's going to come down to who replaces Gaddis and McDonald as well. But um, the timing of this is just so weird. Like there's not really another word to describe it. I don't know if the timing had something to do with the fact that he may have been kind of more seriously pursuing an NFL contract and then it just didn't pan out. But what a... What a weird turn of events. I thought for sure he was leaving. Oh, I did too. Um, I heard you were fearing that he might go to the Bears, actually. That was rumored for a a period of time, and he played with the Bears for a long time. So there is like a personal connection there. Um, And like, to be fair, the Bears need a head coach. And he might have been actually like, from from a technical perspective, a great choice for that role. But... From a personal perspective, I don't want that. And I don't want Justin Fields to have to play for Harbaugh. So I'm feeling like a sense of relief on a, on a couple of levels here. Certainly a lot to look forward to as Ohio State fans. Uh, like you said, certainly sitting pretty heading into 2022. Um, now that, yeah, it, it just felt like Michigan had every opportunity to build a dynasty and instead. I don't know if Jim Harbaugh, like, what he was thinking with his timing, but all works out in Ohio State's favor. Um, but that's actually all we have for today. Before we wrap up the show, Jamie, do you have any shout-outs? 
I do. So I want to shout out speed skater, Brittany Bow, who um, she was actually one of the flag, flag bearers for team USA. Um, But that's not why I want to shout her out before she got to Beijing. um, She qualified for three different Beijing events. So she's, she kind of is a specialist in some of those like longer, uh, longer track speed skating events. Um, But in the qualifying round for the 500 meter race, her, one of her teammates kind of Aaron, Aaron Jackson is the teammate. um, And she is like kind of the favorite to win the gold. She really uncharacteristically slipped during the qualifying event and was eliminated um, from contention. And Brittany Bowe, called her up and then called up us speed skating and said that she would like to offer her spot in that 500 meter race to Aaron Jackson so that Jackson could also compete in the Olympics because Brittany would be able to compete in those longer races that she specializes in. But she knew that the best chance for us to win gold was to have Aaron Jackson skating in that 500 meter race. Um, and so she gave up her spot, which I think is really amazing. My heart, Jamie. Yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. Oh. Well, that is amazing. My shout out is going to be to someone who we talked about a lot on the show last year. Uh, That's Sarah Fuller. She was back in the news again today. Um, For those of you who don't remember, Sarah Fuller was the first woman who scored points in a Power 5 football game uh, with Vanderbilt in 2020. Um, when she kicked a field goal successfully. Her story is continuing. She just joined Minnesota Aurora Football Club, which is scheduled to start play in 2022. Um, so very excited to see her story continuing and continuing to make history. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I know. We're just going to end on a tearful, like happy tears note. Um <laughs> That's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Jamie at Jamie Urich, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.